Hello, my lovely ladies and menstruators alike. Welcome to the 15th episode of the She Eats podcast. She Eats is a holistic health company dedicated to ending the toxic dieting culture that's been placed on women to restrict calories over exercise to meet some false ideal of what a woman should look like. And instead, we are empowering women to eat to fuel their bodies and balance their hormones naturally. Today's episode is way overdue. We are going to be talking about a near epidemic among women called PCOS. And if you don't know what that stands for, that is polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it affects one in 10 women of fertile age. And from speaking with women, I would actually guess this is probably a lot higher. Before I go any further, I do want to add the disclaimer that I am not a medical doctor, so please do seek medical attention before starting or stopping any medication or routine. So I really wanted to talk about this because so many women are coming to me recently with blanket diagnoses of PCOS with no idea of what kind or given any guidance by their doctor other than go on the pill, which by the way, will only make matters worse and isn't even like putting a bandaid on it. It's like filling a coat with dirt, wrapping it up, and then eventually you take that bandage off and the problem is even worse. You probably have an infection and now there's a super long road to healing. So I'll digress and save more of that for later. So, right, what is PCOS? In general, PCOS occurs due to the suppression of ovulation. It's further broken down into three main categories. So we have one, hypothalamic PCOS, or when for some reason the ovaries and your hypothalamus, which stimulates the pituitary to produce hormones, are not communicating correctly. Post-pill PCOS, which has become the second most common form of PCOS occurring in women after stopping long-term birth control, and finally, true PCOS, which is further broken down into insulin-resistant PCOS, adrenal or androgen-dominant PCOS, and inflammatory PCOS. So let's first look at true PCOS because post-pill PCOS diverts a little bit away into another future topic, right? So like I mentioned, PCOS essentially occurs due to the lack of ovulation. However, that lack of ovulation is not due to the PCOS. Rather, the cystic ovaries are a result of another condition. Insulin-resistant PCOS is the most common form of PCOS. When your body is not in suitable shape for you to survive well, your body is not interested in bringing another life into this world. This is oftentimes why women who are overweight have trouble conceiving, but once they lose the weight, they are able to get pregnant. There are cases, however, when a woman is lean and insulin-resistant. In our age of crash diets and near normalization of disordered eating, women of lower body fat percentage are becoming insulin resistant. When you cut out carbs and force your body to use liver glycogen stores, your body is not interested in burning carbs. You give it and it's not accustomed to it either. So it's not sure what to do with it and it leaves the sugar in your blood. So let's say you have a blank diagnosis for PCOS. How can you tell this one may be for you? If you are overweight and chronically dieted and now put on weight easily, have you been diagnosed with diabetes? Do you have elevated insulin? Do you have elevated LH? Do you have high leptin or trouble with feeling satiated? If you answered yes to most of these and you have a diagnosis of PCOS, it is most likely the insulin resistant form. So what can you do, right? With most forms of PCOS, lifestyle modification is actually the biggest part. Getting regular exercise, especially through strength training, building that muscle, giving a place for that sugar to go out of your blood. This will increase your insulin sensitivity. Cutting out added sugars like sodas, candy bars, always that 80-20 rule. This is not a never, we can't never have those things, 
But when we fill 80% of our diet with majority nutrient-dense foods, we can kind of get that wiggle room with that other 20%. When I say nutrient-dense, I'm talking increasing your fiber, your fruits, your veggies, your protein. All of those things are really going to contribute to help balancing out your blood sugar. And of course, we want to include healthy fats as well, like from our seeds. So doing that seed cycling will help to balance out your hormones as well, which have been thrown out of whack because of the insulin resistance. And we can help to restore that ovulation. Some other herbs and supplements that have been shown to be really beneficial are inestitol and berberine, which help to balance out blood sugar, as well as magnesium and cinnamon. If you missed the magnesium episode, there are so many amazing benefits that magnesium has. Utilizing appropriate dose intermittent fasting. If you missed that episode, go check out how to do that with your cycle. Because intermittent fasting has also been shown to be beneficial in resensitizing your body to insulin. And finally, eating within your calories, eating enough calories so your body doesn't feel like it needs to store them, but eating in a moderate calorie deficit so your body isn't also storing because it has too much. The next form of PCOS is inflammatory PCOS. This form of PCOS is brought on by autoimmune reactions, chronic immune response, chronic stress, long-term exposure to environmental toxins, inflammatory foods, and over-exercising. If you've been diagnosed with PCOS and you're also vitamin D deficient, have chronic or reoccurring infections, have slow healing injuries, achy joints, elevated CRP, thyroid antibodies, DHEA, or elevated gluten antibodies, then this might be your cause of PCOS. If you think this may be you, then start identifying what causes your stress. Is it work, social commitments, your own perfectionism, your own perception of the stress that's being placed upon you? Over-exercising, over-eating, under-eating, binge eating, high amounts of alcohol, fried food, heavily processed food, wheat, dairy, gluten, family drama, poor sleep, lack of social connection, environmental toxins like plastics and household cleaners. And by the way, I threw these all in together to show you that there are a lot of accumulative stresses that might not seem so apparent, but could be adding up and increasing your inflammation. Try to eliminate these stressors or work through what you need to so that you can adjust and have better coping to some of these stressors so they don't cause so much stress in your life. That may look like ditching plastic Tupperware and opting for glass, changing up your cleaners and beauty products, taking up a practice of journaling and breath work, having conversations with people who are causing tension and stress in your life, taking up or decreasing the amount of exercise you do, depending on which end of that spectrum you're on. And I highly recommend working with someone to do an anti-inflammatory protocol and having your gut assessed if you think you fall into this category of inflammatory PCOS. Other things you can add in are magnesium, zinc, berberine, omega-3s, marshmallow root, and then some adaptogens like ashwagandha, maca, as well as a probiotic would be really good for your gut. Give it six consistent months of implementing this new lifestyle, then go ahead and get reassessed. The last form of true PCOS is adrenal or androgen dominant PCOS. This form of PCOS is characterized by high androgens or DHEA and testosterone. This will show up in increasing facial hair, acne around your jawline, and high prolactin levels. This form of PCOS actually only accounts for about 10% of cases and usually results from steroid use, a genetic coding where women are XXY instead of just XX, and can also occur because of insulin-resistant PCOS driving high LH and androgens. If this is you, it would be important to determine the cause which led to the high androgens 
So you can address that head on. So we've talked about the forms of true PCOS now, right? So something that is near and dear and far too often not talked about by OBGYNs is post-pill PCOS. I would say that Nine out of 10 women I've talked to who have come off long-term birth control have experienced this to include myself. It was so awful to say the least, but did my doctor mention at all that this was going to happen? Mm, Nope. Did they act confused and tell me my only option was to take hormones or go back on the birth control? Yes. I have talked to so many other women who are put on the pill because they were experiencing PCOS or hormone imbalance symptoms and were never told, but hey, after you come off this, It didn't actually fix anything you were dealing with. In fact, it only made matters worse because guess what, ladies? Hormonal birth control blunts ovulation. And it also starts to throw off your balance and your ratios of progesterone to estrogen, how much LH is being produced, how much FSH is being produced. So it doesn't actually help balance out anything. It just kind of makes things constant. And even if you got your period, you didn't actually ovulate. So what's happening? A follicle starts to mature, but never gets the LH signal. And so it never ruptures and bada boom, you have a cystic ovary leading to a misdiagnosis of PCOS, especially because birth control also impairs your insulin, your gut and your liver. So as soon as you come off of it, your body is having a heyday with producing hormones again, but you can't actually process them out because your liver is so damaged. So now every month your brain is receiving different signals about what it needs to make. So you're appearing with a myriad of symptoms from high LH, high testosterone, low progesterone, increase in acne, increase in inflammation, unexplained weight gain, low energy. Does any of this sound familiar? Because these are all the symptoms of PCOS. But here's the good news, ladies. If this is you, there is so much hope. Depending on how long you are on birth control, will most likely affect how long it takes your body to normalize, but it can. So here are some steps to heal your hormones naturally. One, have a nutrient-dense diet. Bonus, if you can sync it with your cycle. Help your body restore that natural cycle of hormones coming up and hormones coming down. Now, let's say you aren't having one. If you've listened to the podcast, you've heard me talk about cycling with the moon, and that's exactly what we're going to do here. If you are into ancient Chinese medicine and are looking to get pregnant soon, sync your menstrual phase with the new moon and your ovulation phase with the full moon. This is known as the white moon cycle and it's associated with fertility. The red moon cycle is just the opposite. So you'll sync your menstrual cycle with the full moon and you'll sync your ovulation cycle with the new moon. And in ancient Chinese medicine, this is associated with leaders. So check out the She Eats calendar to understand more about syncing your nutrition and seeds with your cycle and also exercising with your cycle. And so that's going to be number two is making sure you are getting the optimal amount of exercise. There is too much of a good thing, and I am a chronic culprit of over-exercising. So check out the exercise with your cycle guide for more details on how to get just the right amount of exercise to support your overall health and hormones. Number three is get Plenty of sleep. Too many women are staying up late, having the TV on before bed, looking at their phones before bed, waking up first thing, drinking a bunch of coffee. When sleep is impaired, cortisol stays high and blood sugar is dysregulated. Aim to get eight to nine hours of quality sleep in a dark, cool, and quiet room. We've talked about many of the helpful supplements, but a couple more to note are DIM, which is naturally found in cruciferous vegetables, 
and helps with the metabolism of estrogen in the first phase of your liver detoxification. And then dandelion root and glutathione, which help with phase two of your liver detoxification so that we make sure we don't have those hormones recirculating and throwing off our ratio of estrogen to progesterone. Two other really important herbs is going to be white peony and licorice root. These two are most often found in teas, but you can also find them in capsule forms. These two herbs have been shown for thousands of years to help restore balanced menstruation and ovulation, but we only want to take these until you get your period back and do not exceed taking them past nine months and also do not take them if you have high blood pressure. You're also going to want to follow tips to de-stress, decrease inflammation, balance your blood sugar as you may experience the whole spectrum of true PCOS when you come off the pill as your body works to balance itself back out. And remember, ladies, there is hope. The diagnosis of PCOS is reversible. It does not have to be forever. And going on birth control is not the answer. If you are listening to this and you are considering coming off birth control, start doing these things now. So your body is already being supported when you do transition off. I would recommend at least three months of cycle syncing, seed cycling, blood sugar, gut and liver support and anti-inflammatory protocol and stress mitigation practices prior to coming off birth control, but any start is better than none. If you know a woman who is experiencing PCOS or is considering getting off birth control, please share this with her. Let's help out our fellow sisters be informed, empowered, and thriving. If this helped you today, it would mean the world to me for you to let me know. And then please like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you have any questions, I would love to talk about this with you. Head over to the She Eats community, which I will link in the show notes. Let me know in the questions that you want to hop on a short call. I love, love, love getting to support women in their journeys. So if this helped you, please help me help other women and spread this message so women don't have to restrict anymore and we can live life to the fullest. I hope to see you soon. And until next time, she lives, she loves, and she eats.